0: We would like to acknowledge the Gadigal peoples of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay our respects to their elders past, present and future. Welcome to Sit With Us, the podcast. I'm Ella and I'm Dom and this is your invite to sit with us and chat about all things relationships, reality TV, pop culture and everything in between. Coming up on this
1: episode. It's not really how you start a lot of sex. It's not like, you know, come here, doggy. You kind of got to warm up. You got to warm up to get there a bit. Warm up for you, turn me over. Definitely not starting on doggy, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. All right. Sit with us, fam. Welcome back to another episode of Sit with Us. Right, this current moment, you are just sitting with me. It's just me, myself, and me before our next guest comes in. Now, guys, Easter has just happened. It was my birthday as well last week, which is kind of scary. I'm 29 now. It's my last year in my 20s. And I have to admit, it is actually kind of weird. Like I was having this chat with the girls on the weekend. I still feel 15 and I'm sure you guys have got to kind of relate with that. I still feel like this little teenager inside, but then, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm 58. It's either like you're 15 or you're 58. Like emotionally, sometimes I feel super old and like super wise And like, I've been around the block and lived and been on this planet for a really long time, but sometimes I do feel like a child. And look, on the weekend, I let my hair down. As you guys know, I've been on this like hectic running fitness journey. I'm, you know, taking it back this year because last year was just really, I guess, not great. I was traveling so much. I was falling back into old habits with my binge eating. I wasn't working out as much. I was not putting my health and my fitness first. And you guys know I've been sharing, you know, all of that on my socials, and I've really been taking it back. But my plantar fasciitis, and I actually I have engaged with you guys on uh, social media about this. So since I started running, I became deeply obsessed with it. I have got like six pairs of runners now. I just got these new Nike Invincibles, and holy shit, you fly! Like you literally run so quick. I did. 10 Ks the other day and getting off topic here, because we were chatting about my birthday, but I ran 10 Ks the other day and I literally could not believe the pace that I was going at. I didn't even realize how fast I was going. And I actually had to slow down because of my plantar fasciitis. It's a real issue, guys. I have like this thing in my foot now where I believe, and don't come for me if I'm wrong, but from what I'm like Googling, it's like the connective tissue on the base of your foot from like your heel. And I mean, it's, it can be painful all throughout your foot, but for me, it's really just like in the arch, I've got like a really big bone in the middle of my foot. And I've only noticed it more now that I'm like massaging my feet all the time, which is kind of weird. But my bone really sticks out. And when I press into it, the pain is honestly like nothing I have experienced. So I'm rolling on a golf ball. I'm rolling my foot on an ice water bottle. Um, like I've put it in the freezer and rolling it on frozen, a frozen bottle anyway. And it actually soothes the pain. I did go see this like gnarly naturopath who suggested putting a needle into my foot. And I think it's like a cortisone, but I honestly passed on that because I'm just not sure if I'm ready to really put a fucking needle in my foot. It's bearable right now. And my Mayo said, just have a month off Ella, just have a casual month off and take a break. Even though running has literally changed my life, it has literally given me this whole new like vision of my mental strength, my mental health, and this just happiness I've never felt before. Like this liberating feeling. But anyway, it was my birthday. I'm 29. I'm feeling old, feeling young. The body's definitely feeling old, especially from the running. And you guys would have seen, I've totally been doing some cheeky soft launches. Now I did tell Dom, I was like, you know, babe, maybe while you're away, I might have to drop a few more hints that I mean, it's known guys, it's been, it's been a while that I've actually had someone in my life, but I have been keeping it quite under wraps just for, for reasons that you guys already know. I don't even need to explain it because, you know, I love to share so much of my life with all of you guys. I honestly love being so open with you guys, but there was one thing that I just wanted to protect for a little while until I really, really, I guess, knew until I really was feeling confident in the situation that I'm now in. And let me tell you guys, in time, I will share the story of who he is. And I'm going to say I've spoken about him before. That's a hint. And look, some of you might know who that could be, but early days I have spoken about him before. That's all I'm going to say. But I did soft launch over the weekend. You know how like the Inspired Unemployed Boys did that carousel post and it's like smack bang in the middle. There's a cheeky picture of you and him. That's exactly what I did. And uh, some people sent me some DMs being like, oh, my gosh, is this him? And if you are listening right now, you're probably going to go and check out my birthday carousel post and he's smack bang in the middle right there. Guys, he's made it to the fucking grid. First guy on the grid that is a real boyfriend. It's not maths. It's not made in Chelsea. It is a real fucking boyfriend in the real world. The first one in 12 years on the grid. This is a really big deal, but I'm really excited and it feels so good to even just share that with you guys. Today, obviously, we know, guys, Dom is still killing it. She's in the jungle. She's eating fucking cockroach ball things. She's attempting to eat, like, cows' testicles, which, guys, let's not forget, Dom is vegetarian. Yes, she may have had a sausage roll at Christmas. First sausage roll, first bit of meat in seven years. But she's out in South Africa eating fucking testicles. Okay. We have got to praise the girl when she gets out because she honestly is absolutely killing it. She's doing a lot better than I thought. I'm so proud of her. I'm missing her so much. And I mean, I'm sure that you guys are too. I am missing her. It It is kind of weird recording without her. Babes, can't wait to have you back soon so that we can get our good old banter back on. But today... Is a really exciting day because I do have another guest for you guys. You may know her from TikTok. She has got over 2.2 million followers. Is that right? (laughs) And it's called Kinky History. Kinky History. Just so that you guys know, we are sitting here today with Esme Louise James. Welcome to sit with us and thank you for sitting with us. I am so happy to be here. (laughs) And I'm so excited as well. Now, she explores the evolution of... Human sexual history. Yeah. She talks about things that I wouldn't even find it myself in a book if I tried. (laughs) She really does go on how, you know, we don't get taught anything in sex ed at school, whether it's at school, whether it's from our parents, from yep. friends, partners, and I've spoken about this heaps of times mm. on the podcast and also in my wellness app. So, I do have a sexologist who I've partnered up with before, yep. and I'm all about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm but I will be honest I have not had these sort of conversations with someone who comes in from the history side of things the history side of things and it is so interesting Yeah, your latest project as well
1: Sextistics Sextistics we can't say it I know, it's literally- like an ongoing joke between like my mum came up with the idea and she can't say the word Sextistics wait is that- that's your mum that's my mum no my mom. way she's the stats and I'm the sex
0: oh my gosh yeah, yeah she's a hot mum your mum is not a regular mom. She's, she's a, cool a cool mom. mom. Yeah, she's a, a really cool mom. Oh my gosh, how interesting! Well, that's something that we can definitely go into. But um, I do also just want to share. Uh, Esme has come straight from. Where have you come from, babe?
1: I've just come straight from the ER. Straight from the <laughs> ER. <laughs>
0: so I got a tag saying she's running. You know, ten minutes late. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. So what happened over your Easter weekend, babe?
1: Oh uh, look, I've had a pretty adventurous uh, <laughs> weekend a bit. So I had a hot girl ovarian cyst that decided to burst on me and this was about a week ago like if if anyone has had like the appendix uh burst or something like that it is just like severe pain that starts in your side and it just comes on out of nowhere. And the worst part about all of this is it came on after I was doing a hot girl YouTube workout and I was trying to twerk. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so I thought I'd had a twerking injury. Or oh, like a hernia come out of nowhere or something. Yeah. Oh my I, gosh. I thought I would like, because I can't twerk to save myself. I'm not booty nor licious. No, neither <laughs> am I. Neither <laughs> am I. I'm still
0: working on trying to get a booty and it's not really growing. Literally.
1: But, so ooh. I'm just trying to crump. And then uh, this Pain started and I thought, so I told the doctors and everything, they're like, you know, what happened leading up to this moment? I was like, well, I had my hands on my hips and then I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just turns out that was a divine intervention to stop me from ever twerking again and my ovarian cyst had burst. Wow. Yeah. And I was, uh, a week ago, I went into the hospital for a really long period of time and this is how bad I think women's health is, like as a thing. Mm -hmm. No one even told me what was a really obvious solution that had happened to my body yeah I was just kind of sent away in excruciating pain and uh, really yeah and they're like go get some tests now I've just come from like a series of kind of like little operations and everything okay. to try to fix what was happening yeah. overnight but I'm just like it's really shown me that when we have women's health issues everyone's just kind of like cool yeah take some Panadol mm. whereas this is like Uh, a bed rest recovery (laughs) situation, you know? But that's where I've come from. Oh, my gosh. Um, Do you know what? The only person I'd leave the ER for is you. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for even showing up. I am so ready to talk sex, and I'm also so ready to, like, take down the patriarchy because I've got so much built-up anger over this, like, (laughs) woman's health issue. I'm going from the robe to the, like, streets right
0: now. It (laughs) really is an issue, and it's something that Dom and I, we've spoken about it since we've met. There's just not enough information, and I, I can totally agree with you with anything that has happened. So I, about two years ago, I was getting like spotting and like weird cramping and I kept getting my pap smear results back Mm. and I had abnormality, the abnormal cells. So they kept coming back and they were really... Like grey around the information. They weren't yeah. really being direct with me. I didn't really understand what, what it was. was. So I was Googling things when I went home and it was like oh, you have you got die? cancer, <laughs> like you are dying. And yeah. I'm like, Mom, what I don't understand what this is. Yeah. And so yeah, three years in a row I kept getting my PAPs and it kept coming back this abnormality. Yeah. Anyway, I ended up having to have half of my cervix lasered off because it had these cells. And I only actually just had my last biopsy. Uh, like two months ago, and they were like, oh, my gosh, it's clear now because I was still waiting. There was like a high chance that it doesn't go away after the operation. Mm -hmm. But even then, the pap smear lady was not as informative. She wasn't really educating me. But even just in a simple way, it doesn't need to be big words and brochures. It's just really simple language of like, what's up? And this is what we're going to do.
1: This is your body. Like yeah. this is what's happening kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and none of my friends had had it and my mom didn't really know so I wasn't talking to anyone about it. No. Which was really That's hard. Scary and yeah. And
1: so isolating as well. Yeah.
0: And then I spoke about it on my Instagram super briefly and I actually had so many women come forward being like oh my god I had this too. Right, It was like the most incredible thing. So many people reached out and were like, oh my gosh, I had this as well and I had the exact same operation. And then all these girls were like, I'm going to get my pap smear because you can only detect it if you get your pap smear. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't detect it early enough, it can actually lead to cancer, like cervical cancer. So all my friends then started getting their pap smears and then some of them actually had it too. And anyway, it was a whole... I love
1: that. Women coming together to look after one another. Yes.
0: So... Before we get into the history of sex, which I cannot wait to get into. Yes. I want to explore your own history. So, and <laughs> Is my, my own kinky history <laughs> or is <as> it? <in, laughs> we're also going to get to your kinks and the, the puffer fish story as well eventually. <laughs> Not the
1: puffer fish. <laughs> yes, we'll leave the puffer fish for later. We are going to get to the
0: pufferfish story. But uh, tell us the story of you, you know, where you've come from, how you got into this, And Um, how do you get
1: into the history of kinks?
0: That's exactly it.
1: Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yes,
0: we want to know.
1: Where did it all begin? Let's go back to like little old Esme. Yes. I have this compulsive desire to talk about things when people tell me to stop talking. Mm. And I'm always just like, why? I went to university to study the history of religion. So it is fair to say I went very off topic. Wow. Um.
0: (laughs) But I can kind of understand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like sex and religion. Exactly. There's a lot of correlation. And it is so interesting. Yes. It is. And I'm not religious. I will say that. I'm not religious. Yeah. But I have got a handful of close friends who are Mm -hmm. religious. And even when we exchange stories, different beliefs, honestly, it is the most interesting. Yeah. And I'm always so intrigued and asking my friends questions because I just want to know. Yes,
1: absolutely. And I think that's exactly it, because when I was interested in studying the history of religion, Mm. It was about I wanted to understand this experience that continuously pulled people together all throughout history until now, like this Mm. sense of a shared experience and between different religions and all of this. But then that's actually where sex came into the picture, Mm. because what's a more common human experience than sex? Yeah, like that is one act that is the reason we have a history because we have sex. And every time you kind of look back, there's all of, it's always in the margins. It's Mm. like that thing that's there, but doesn't get spoken about. Mm. And so I became really fascinated. Like there is abundance of literature on the history of religion and the role it's played in civilization. Mm-hmm. There's not that much about the role that Kinks, Whips, and Dildos mm-hmm. have played, but they've been there as well. For the same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. longer we yeah. had dildos before we had organized religion. What? That is just
0: mind blowing.
1: Right? Right? It's, uh, I think that's, that's still one of my favorite facts. And I come back yeah. to it all the time because it really puts everything in perspective. Yeah. Like, you, th- th- it doesn't really matter about what other kind of crazy sex facts you can come up with. Mm. The fact that dildos have been around before writing, before religion, before so many other, you know, it's, it's only just, uh, just after, like, the invention of the wheel, I think. You know, like, oh, no, maybe it predates the wheel. But, like, you know, in terms of uh, the importance of human ideas, we wanted pleasure. Yeah. Well, we've always gravitated towards Mm. pleasure. Like, they weren't decorating their caves with dildos. Like, they were using them. And I think that's really interesting. Like, sex always plays a role. Mm. And contrary to popular belief, it's not just for Recreation. Yes,
0: <laughs> like, 100%. And so at what point in, I guess, your career, so you started doing yeah. more on the religion side of things. Yeah. And then so where, how did that change? How did that
1: change? Well, <laughs> what happened in class or who did you meet that was like, ooh, ooh this babe. is interesting. <laughs> I was writing, like, an honours thesis all about, you know, this kind of sublime religious experience and it was very, very academic. Yeah. And at one stage, my supervisor, who, you know, was, like, kind of this stuffy, teed, skinny, (laughs) scrawny guy, but at one stage he kind of had to politely sit across the room from me as I'm, like, you know, having an academic breakdown. Like, I can't get my thesis right. And he was like, Esme are we going to talk about the fact that every time you're talking about a sublime experience in history, it's always to do with queer sex? And I was like, wait, what? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, everything you're interested in always comes back to the erotic. Did you know that? And I'm sitting there going like, no, it doesn't, Tom. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I think you should change your research area to what you really want to say which is the value of sex as like an experience and I was like maybe you're right maybe this is it oh my god! he was the first person who just kind of ever sat around and was like I think you want to talk about sex and I was like yeah, I reckon I do. <laughs> like,
0: wow. How old were you then? We how yeah. I would
1: have been I would have been 20, 21 when that yeah, happened. Right. It was like really early. on. I started genie quite young. Yeah. But it was really early on in my experience. And in the world of academia, you don't like casually touch sex. Yeah. Like, this can be a very elitist, hoity-toity kind of world. And so, to become the sex girl, mm. you're kind of branded very mm. quickly. And it was very early on in my experience experience like my professional career that I had to be like all right you've either got to do this with full mm. confidence like go charging into the room with your dildos yeah or you don't do it yeah and I was like I want to do it like mm. I, I I want to talk about the fact that these are silent bits of history I, I want to understand that personally yeah. and then it turns out you know a lot of people do as well and that's cool we all want to talk about this yes yeah. it's honestly So like, I'll
0: just continue to say like, it is so interesting Mm. because for me, growing up, and I have spoken about this a lot before, how primary school, we were not educated. Mm. Sex ed was a talking giraffe out of a truck. And
1: <laughs> all the giraffe, Shut Harold. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And
0: all the giraffe would say is, women, use a condom, otherwise yeah. you'll get pregnant and that is bad. Yeah. Boys, this is an erection. Here's some tissues and some porn. Yeah. That's basically as much as I can remember. Yeah. In terms of educational points. Of what actually happened. High school, I don't really... It was really just like talking about pregnancy Mm. and sexually transmitted diseases, Mm -hmm. but it's never about pleasure. No. Never. No. And that's what then pushed me from a very young age. Mm -hmm. You know, when I started feeling some things, I'm like on Google, I think I was like nine or ten, and I'm like, what is this feeling that is like running through my body? I don't understand. I grew up in a household where we didn't communicate about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, no one at that age was was talking talking about about it. it. So, like you know, I can definitely know for sure like yeah. all of my girlfriends at this age too would have been feeling yeah, these yeah. sorts of things. Absolutely. And sort of you know, humping on something or googling <laughs> something like <laughs> and you know what, it's healthy to do that if you're 8 years old, okay? Yeah, yeah. good libido
1: <laughs> or you just, I don't know hormonal at a very young age Honestly, <laughs> and, honestly yeah. I think we were all doing really weird stuff at age. Fucking oath we were like, um, The first thing I ever got off to was Barbie doll porn. Barbie doll Board. Wait, that's a thing. Oh uh, well, I, <laughs> I was like a YouTube hole or like pre-YouTube. I would have been eight. I remember oh, I was in year YouTube. two, and it was like a. I was just watching Barbie doll kind of videos on the internet, yeah. and I came onto one where, like, you know, probably like Barbie Girl sixty nine <laughs> posted it, but it was like <laughs> of Barbie and Ken like spanking one another and doing stuff in bed, and I, I remember like sitting there with a pillow, being like, What is happening? Yeah. And just like rubbing up against the pillow. And then it finished. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, Like, what's the weirdest experience? It is so weird. And, you know, from such a
0: young age, we are not taught anything. No. And,. We kind of just figure it out on our own. Yeah. And the reason why I am so interested as well in, I guess, sex education, it's been something I am very passionate about. It's because I had been single for 12 years. Yeah. So I didn't have a partner to explore anything with, yeah. no one that I was comfortable enough to really bring in a sex toy in the bedroom yeah. or explore positions and all of these things. yeah. But I learned about it. yeah, And I did it all on my own. That's so high commands. Yes. That's
1: not an easy thing to do. It's not.
0: It is not. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because for me growing up, all of my casual partners, (gasps) I was never having an orgasm
1: from sex. Okay.
0: And Everyone around me was having orgasms, and I'm like, yeah. I don't really get it. What I don't understand. This? Is something wrong with me. And, you yeah. know, obviously so many women have had this thought and yeah. have questioned yeah. this, and, you know, it's really known now that it's a very small percentage of women that can achieve an orgasm from sex penetration. Yes. And yes. it's a much higher percentage of women that can achieve from clitoral yes. penetration. And for me growing up, I was having all this casual sex. I wasn't climaxing, and I just thought, is this what sex is? Yeah. Like I'm so confused. You're like
1: this is really boring. What? What's that Like it, it feels
0: good and like <laughs> I guess. But why is he having like this explosive ending and I'm not? I'm just lying there like, "All right, job. Okay. In. Thanks for <laughs> <how you laughs> uh, coming."
1: <laughs> you know, like Are You ready to go again? Or yeah, <laughs>
0: you know? And then again, it, it led me to googling and it led me yeah. to reading about it and like reading Dolly the ripped pit. Oh like, my god, the best what? Yeah. Me, oh, saucy, like, saucy information about G spots, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is, and then it led me to buying a vibrator. And oh, yep. I think I was like 19 or oh, you were quite young. I was young. Yeah, that's good. I was young, and I my last relationship was then, so right. that's when I invested in sex toys because uh-huh. I was like, I need to understand what my anatomy. And, yeah. You know, like if the last two boyfriends didn't, uh, then I don't know how well this is going to go for me moving forward. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I
0: invested in sex toys. I invested in sex books. I used to read Sex to See by Tracy something. Oh, Oh my God. God. I I love. we both become obsessed with sex. Yeah, I was very obsessed, (laughs) like, from a very young age.
1: Good. None of my friends
0: knew. (laughs) Yeah. It was just me and my books and my sex toys. Wow. And hid them from my parents, like, didn't want anyone to know because it was like I was ashamed. Yeah. I was embarrassed. I would go broke. Right, If anyone even asked, yeah, yeah. and I would de- go like deflect or get on the defence. And, and now, now we're sitting around here with a microphone talking, talking about, about our it, Our vibrated literally. Now I'm <laughs> like, guys, buy sex books, buy sex toys. The reason I feel like I'm such a confident woman is because I know myself down there.
1: Absolutely, I can
0: please myself without a man. Yeah, or with a man now.
1: Absolutely. And
0: growing up, I didn't have that. Have
1: any of that? Yeah. I no, look, I I, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, part of what I do is. Uh, as my PhD is I actually work on some historical sex education mm. that we used to do back in like the 18th century and the guides that you know girls were given about how to pleasure themselves mm. and how, where the clitoris is yeah. and uh it was given to like girls and guys to be like you know you lift up her ass if you if you're smaller so she can feel more remember to stimulate her clitoris and yeah you know this is Some of this is back in 1500s, right? You know, and this has changed drastically now when I think that most of us were hiding away with like our Kaz Cook's book for girls and being like, what is, you know, a penis? What is a dildo? Like, you know, and that's changed drastically now. Weirdly enough, in this age of like hyper saturation of information, Mm. sex, I think for our generation and the previous generation was just something that just wasn't on the table. It just, I know it's something that my mum didn't talk about, something that I didn't talk about, but you don't have to go back that far, probably like 100, 150 years ago to a time where that was very, very different. Yeah, This is a new cultural thing and I think we're coming Mm. to like the start of the cycle now where everyone thinks we're talking about sex all the time, but no, like this is how much you meant to talk about yeah. sex. It's healthy.
0: <laughs> it's good for you. It's good. <laughs> like, it's exciting. It releases endorphins when I talk about it. And yeah. I have a partner now, and this is the first time in my life that I have been with someone who I can communicate about sex right? and about the things that I want in the bedroom and yeah. my needs and my desires and, like, my fantasies. And yeah. It is just the coolest and funnest thing to talk about. Absolutely. And... I feel I feel like I'm a kid because I have all this information <laughs> and knowledge, and I have all these things that I've been doing on my own that I mm. can finally put into play. Yeah, and it's scary. Don't get me wrong, guys. Like, just terrifying. it's terrifying to bring up something that you want to try, you want to yeah. do. You're scared of being judged. You're scared of things being messy. But yes. sex is meant to be messy. It's meant to be messy. It's meant to be messy. It's meant to be fun and adventurous. Yeah, and totally judge free. No. But what I wanted to ask around this whole orgasm thing, this, the orgasm Mm. gap, you know, like there is still such a gap in the education side of things, you know, like, I, I could probably say about 85% of my close girlfriends mm-hmm. can all achieve an orgasm just from sex penetration.
1: I do wonder sometimes if they can definitely achieve orgasm or whether we feel like we say that. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you can have a really satisfying experience with a Yes. Binder. Not an orgasm, mm. but isn't a satisfying penetrative experience. Yeah. So I, I do, th- that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do mm-hmm. sometimes wonder if there's a bit of
0: confusion of what kind of climax it might be
1: you can have good sex yeah without clitoral stimulation yeah doesn't necessarily mean it's an orgasm and Mm. i think sometimes women when they do finally experience an orgasm Mm. uh they're like okay that's the difference for my body and that's something i want to explore more Mm. like i don't orgasm every time i have sex
0: no i don't either unless i am manually getting myself off, I physically cannot. Yeah. Like, unless my clitoris is being stimulated. At the same time. I literally can't. And we've spoken about this before on the podcast because Dom achieves her climax externally uh, internally yeah so she's the other side other of things round. yeah yeah right okay. i'm like it's only external she's like it's mainly
1: internal and i'm yeah. like girl <laughs> teach me how but everyone's body is very different, different right yeah and i think that's sometimes even with sex toys like i see some internal sex toys mm. and we kind of think it's a one size fits all kind of thing yeah like there's this one of the first toys I ever bought, it was called the Harley dildo. And it's like an internal one. It's got a clitoral stimulation. But at the end of the internal dildo, it like does this little circle oh, thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Um, I have one of them at home that does move. I love that. It's like a little wiggly thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of buzzing like a little bunny. And then that's doing that. Um, yeah. And, you know, that Wild. for me, that was like... Mwah. Yeah. Other people that can really, really hurt because we mm. kind of forget sometimes that that's not Everyone's anatomy is entirely different, and while that's exactly where my two pleasure points are, that's not going to work for everyone. Yeah, which is also something I think when it comes to sex education, we need to talk about. Yeah, you
0: know? we are all built differently down there. I think that that also is. That is really known now. Like, I just remember in high school as well, this this is really shit. Like, in high school, guys would talk about it all the time. Yeah. And you'd hear it. You know, you'd hear guys gossiping about girls and what they're down there is like. And, you know, I had friends that in high school were super self-conscious and couldn't even look at themselves down there in a mirror and were actually just, like, disgusted by their vulva like they just couldn't yeah. even they were re- like repulsed by it That's they so wouldn't sad. yeah oh. 100% and I've actually got more than a few friends that are like that and they don't even masturbate because they don't they just can't even with their no. it is really sad celebrate
1: the vulva
0: 100% they come in all shapes and sizes yeah and it, I feel like it is really known now though that we are all very different yeah but with the different types of I guess, climaxes mm. from sex or from oral sex or any sort of session that you may have. I don't think it's probably spoken about enough how each sex toy will fit differently.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of have to do a little bit of an experimentation to find what works for you. Like even anal play, I think that's something yeah. that's not on the table for a lot of people, but then people don't understand why they haven't really been able to experience that kind of pleasure. I'm like, just try something up the bum. Maybe that's your yeah. spot, you know? Everyone's entirely different. And again, like just from my like historical brain, I just... Yeah. I find it really interesting because the stress of pleasure was so important for women at various points of history that, like, in Tudor times, they believed that the only way you could ever conceive a baby is that the woman and the man both have to come during sex for a baby to be conceived. And so, of course, there was loads of guides for, guides for guys yeah. on how to get your woman off and the various techniques because they thought they weren't going to be able to an air if she didn't orgasm. What? Right? And so... You know, they were kind of tips and tricks that have played their part all throughout history. So men had
0: a literal guide on how to make their woman or help their woman in achieving an orgasm. And these days, why does it feel like guys don't know what they're doing or they're lazy? It's
1: just off the table. But it was there all throughout history. So, like, you know, to times, you had to be able to make your woman come. Shakespeare oh. talks all the time about oh. the importance of using, well, in in The Winter's Tale, he talks about, you know, using a dildo on a woman so she fades. And in Elizabethan, fading means... Uh, to die, which is what they call the orgasm, uh, the the death, because they believe fluids needed to go out of the body regularly in order for, you know, to g- dispel anything that was built up in there. So you needed to make a woman come Whoa. using a dildo. Like, that's in Shakespeare. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> that is just so mind-blowing. See, I don't know a lot about Shakespeare, but I know that people do. <laughs> yeah. uh, people love it. Yeah, I don't really know enough about it to, to comment yeah. on that. But that is mind-blowing. Dildos in Shakespeare. In Shakespeare. (laughs) What, like Romeo and Juliet?
1: Uh, Romeo and Juliet doesn't have any uh, dildos, but it does have a lot about the female orgasm. And one of the reasons that Juliet doesn't get pregnant, that, you know, in Shakespeare law, Juliet doesn't get pregnant in Romeo and Juliet is because she didn't climax. What? Or else she would have, you know, had a baby but no, um, but, but, but there is that that sense of like fluids, which we kind of know now was like female ejaculation. Yes. But, you know, before we had that, we had this idea of like, like bodily, it's, they thought it was like a life essence that was being secreted from their body And it was actually used as a way to encourage people to have sex because they're like, if a girl is coming and she's losing all this liquid from her body, then you, man, must come and fill her up with some cum and kind of uh, put the fluid back into her body. And so we used it a lot. Like, orgasm has been used all throughout history, the woman's orgasm in particular, Mm. to encourage sex.
0: I remember I read somewhere that if a woman achieved an orgasm, Mm -hmm. she would go to, like, when, I guess, orgasms became a thing and they were like, what's mm. this feeling? What's this sensation? They would go to like their doctor yeah. and their doctor would diagnose them like ill.
1: Oh, hysteria.
0: Hysteria. Yeah. And they would remove their clitoris.
1: Yeah, right, right. That Look, there is um in various times there's been in cultures, there has been like a stress on women not having pleasure. Some of that came from this kind of uh, Christian ideal that started – quite early on in like the 1100s oh, yeah. that the only purpose of sex was procreation. Yeah, yeah. And so for a very long period of time in Christian thinking, sex, this is actually where the missionary position comes mm-hmm. from and when, why it started to take off, because they thought that sex should be something that you don't enjoy mm-hmm. and there should be no pleasure whatsoever. And so it actually became a law by the time you get to the medieval times that you can only do the missionary position mm-hmm. because it's so unpleasurable.
0: What?
1: Yeah, so that's where missionary literally comes from, the position that the missionary is taught. Wow. That That's where that comes, before that doggy was your basic, basic bitch kind of position. Basic
0: bitch. <laughs> but why, why, why is missionary not pleasurable? I think it's very.
1: The, the, from from their understanding, that was uh, the, because it wasn't something that was, you, man rarely went on top like that. They believed that that was the least stimulating position for the woman. Like you weren't mm-hmm. satisfying the clitoris, you weren't, anything behind nothing it was meant to be the most unsatisfying position and then on top of that they told uh, like husband and wife that you must go into the bedroom really unhappy and leave even unhappier that you had to do this dirty deed oh, that was God. full of sin and but that was what was taught which is really Interesting now when you look at this kind of reclaim of pleasure, and I, I think it's quite—I think it's a nice story for the missionary position because now we find it quite an intimate position. Oh, I times. love it! Yeah. So, like, people
0: say that it could be the most boring when you're in a relationship. Like, some people say, "Oh, you know, just missionary." I'm like, just missionary. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I can kiss him. I can touch his back. I yeah. can play myself. I can be looking into his eyes. I think it's one of the most intimate, intimate positions. positions.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. But that's why, like, in medieval art, when people are like, oh, they must be having sad sex lives, because you would see the woman would literally just have to kind of stay there, no touching, no nothing, Mm -hmm. and they didn't even look at one another. And the man's kind of going for it. Right. Um, But that's not, you know, the whole... And that's not everyone. Yeah. The fact that there was there had to be laws in place. That's insane. And then people were doing everything else under the Whoa. sun, um, and they even had to bring out like uh, confessional guides on how much penance people would have to do if they deviated and drank cum or they oh. engaged in you know backdoor things, you know. But they actually had to put this out in confession because. Whoa people were obviously not just to be missionary. People wanted to enjoy it. You could even go to confession and be like, hey, Father, I've sinned because I enjoyed rooting my husband last night.
0: Whoa.
1: So (laughs) (laughs) mind-blowing.
0: Like, it's so foreign to me, you know, like, because, well, for one, I'm not religious, so Mm. I wasn't raised in a home where being intimate before marriage and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, I have friends that have... Grown up like that. So so for me, you know, all this sort of stuff is always just so mind-blowing and so interesting because to me it's like you're limited when Mm. you're growing up. But to them it's like you're actually showing more respect to who it might be that you should be, you know, following these
1: rules. Rules and example. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Back to missionary and positions. I'm curious to know. (laughs) I'm curious to know. know. (laughs) Is there a place where, I guess, doggy style, Mm. like, so, because what you just explained where missionaries come from, I mean, that in itself is something that I'm sure a lot of the Sit With Us <laughs> listeners have no idea because, guys, I had no fucking idea <laughs> that it's genuinely, like, named after the missionary. Like, what? So
1: <laughs> is there a story with doggy style? One thing that's quite striking that any depiction of sex, you won't find a depiction of missionary. Like, in ancient Rome, you can see all these uh, artwork that still exist in brothels. And they'll, you know, depict kind of lingus from, you know, both men and women, women and women, men and men. all yeah. depict doggy will but missionary is off the table doggy is the one that um there probably is a more professional term than dog i know but what uh, else is there <laughs> what dog, dog doggy that's is so. great, yeah. <laughs> the doggy's fine um but that's the one that you can see most consistently across cultures like you know in ancient india especially like the kama sutras but a course. perfect example of like some of their things are like more how to spice it up, other than doggy kind of yes. thing. Yes, um, you know, uh, in uh, artwork from ancient China, it's it's all over the world. Doggy is all over the world because if you think about it, it is the most easy, natural position, you think when people, like, bend over and you're like, uh, any holes are going, you're like, go. If you're talking about that really kind of... I feel like as
0: well, correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but, like, when I think about it, I think of it being almost just, like, really animalistic and, like, wildlife because, like, wild animals or animals tend to mate like that. Yeah. You know, so, like, whenever I think about doggy style, it kind of just feels like this really wild wild, like yeah can be really like loud and like you're like roaring like a tiger sometimes yeah. you know
1: it's very it's it's got that kind of primitive yeah like. and also you know if, if it's a man woman situation mm. when you think about the way that the penis kind of curves and most penises have that little curve yes um that is more pleasurable going into the woman that side because that's touching their the kind of pea spot at the back right. there that we're talking about our Harley dildos going around. Yes. When, when you're in doggy style, that more naturally hits the kind of inside of where the clitoris is, you know? Mm. Like that, that's more pleasurable. Whereas when you're in missionary, it's not mm. Why? <laughs> no, and
0: I get that now. Now that you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, doggy style does feel really good. Yeah. And it must, it must for both parties. Like if yeah. it's hitting a certain spot for the female. It must be also doing something so different for the guy. For the, yeah
1: Well, I think, you know, you've got the, – the, 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 there's a lot going on there, but yeah. even, like, the, 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 where the balls kind of, like yeah. slap, you know? Yeah.
0: That's, that's a very rough doggy. When belly. the balls slap guys and the balls slap the – the vulva? the. That's that. Yeah, that's I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must, yeah but right. yeah.
1: I and I think that's just something that's really interesting. Like in terms of the history of sex, I always find that really fascinating. Mm. How something can tra- change so drastically throughout history. It can take on so many different meanings. Yeah. Whereas you know now. Doggy, uh, it's not that it's a very exotic position now, but mm. it's something that isn't necessarily like the normal go-to. You, mm-hmm. You've kind got, of got this expectation of being like a little bit like more uh, feisty if you enjoy yeah. doggy over. If that's True. your like go-to, it's not really how you start a lot of sex. No. It's not like you know, come here. Darling. You kind of got to warm up. You got to warm up to get there a bit. <laughs> warm up before you turn me over. Kinda Definitely thing, not but- starting on doggy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah.